Um, any questions? Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, first, let me ask Ms. Elliott, do we have any speakers on this topic? No speakers. Excellent. Uh, board colleagues, questions and comments? Compliments on the great presentation. Ms. Van Dorn? I really wanted to hear this report because I think your work is, is amazing and extremely important and I mostly want to say thank you. Um, I know a lot of families come and speak with us about their issues related to the uh, asthma, uh, food allergies, um, the environment, and I know that our staff uh, stays very close to those issues and I've watched all those practices and policies evolve in my time in APS and I know that your work has been you know, very dogged in that, in that manner. One question I have for you is I know that obesity was an issue that we were really talking about last year. Is that something you've been discussing? Because I know that through our nutrition program we can get at that, but it's also about, I believe that there are practices in the schools that we're changing about celebrating birthdays and things and um, just helping kids learn uh, healthy eating habits. So. Did, is that something you're focusing on? I didn't yes, see it was most definitely. Um, so we have, as you know, farm to school programs and nutrition education going on, but we also, um, just in the last two to three years, have really seen a swell of support for no food for celebrations in classroom um, policies. So we're seeing that in maybe a third of elementary schools, and what we really want to see is those policies adopted across <laughs> elementary schools so that parents can have a similar look and feel across schools when it comes to those types of policies. And I know each school does it differently according to their needs, um, but I, I would love for everyone to get to a baseline understanding about you know, when is there just too much food and too many treats and candy and food as reward. Those are all things that uh, we're trying to change and it starts with, with our PIP, but it really means getting through to the parents and making them understand that this is really about the well-being of our children. But I'm gonna pass it to Sam, who can talk a little bit about some of the other obesity prevention efforts and data collection. Um, <coughs> thanks, I just happened to have this along, so it seems like a good model. Um, I really wanna thank Vera just briefly for her incredible leadership and, and tenaciousness um, as leader of the School Health Advisory Board and Dr. Natris as well for jumping in and really giving time and attention um, to the board. It's really appreciated. I don't know how she fits it into her schedule <laughs> given the amount of other things that she has to handle. Um, so, the, so I would say that childhood obesity remains relatively unchanged um, in Arlington. We are going to have about four years worth of data in the next couple of months um, that we have vetted and looked at and I'd be happy to report you know, back on that. Um, across Arlington. Certainly nationally, you know, we start to edge towards sort of flattening out and then going down a little bit and then the next report I get is that things continue to be um, not improving. So, and certainly the way that feeds into then adult obesity and um, adult diabetes, you know, is a trend we're going to see for the next 30 or 40 years. We're going to really sorely regret that we didn't, not just Arlington, but the country as a whole, we're going to sorely regret not having done more um, because this is going to play out over the next, you know, 30, 40 years with a whole lot more diabetes and other health conditions, and we're going to wish that we had thought about it in more detail. Um, and so again, healthy eating and active living is things we can do in all the schools more. There's a lot of good activities going on, but there's always more that, that we could do. Um, certainly speaking for school health, we would love to continue to work with the schools on best practices, on research showing the linkage between educational outcomes and health outcomes and how the more you exercise and the more you eat better, actually the better you think and the better you learn. So those are things that are proven at this point, so more things that we can do would be great. Thank you. Okay, um, I arm wrestled my colleagues to give me more questions to ask. So. Um, uh, 
excellent presentation. Thank you. We do always enjoy having you, and thank you for coming because it was your year to do a briefing report, and um, but we really wanted to get the chance, um, uh, you know, to have a conversation with you about a few things. So so thank you for coming. Um, I actually want to follow up also on. Um, food, and um, you actually mentioned the very words that um, I've been asked about by some community members when you mentioned encouraging and voluntary guidelines mm -hmm. when it comes to f allergies and, um, and parents with children with allergies would rather they be not guidelines and encouraging, but, um, you know, rules. Um, where are we on that, and might we get to that point? I mean, what are the, what are the barriers? Why are we not, why are they not rules? I, I, that could be for anyone who. Um, well, wants I can to. say the development process, it was done by a work group of SHAB that included endocrinologists, um, very concerned parents, our food services team, our school health team, and they looked at national recommendations, recommendations made by Loudoun, Fairfax, and other nearby counties. And we believe that these represent sort of gold, a gold standard approach to dealing with food allergies. But we recognize that we are a body that can only, in this, in this regard, at the time, put together voluntary guidelines. Um, but I believe there's a process happening now that Tara's overseeing where um, APS admin is reviewing the document that we created with the intent of making them perhaps more than voluntary. Um, and we're expecting that to happen this year. And that might go in a, a particular policy or? The guidelines that we're discussing are really very specific. Mm -hmm. um, and so right now they are, um, Vera described the process really perfectly, right? They are a set of guidelines that our advisory cre committee created and provided for us. And right now they're linked on our website to the SHAB webpage. Right now we're in the process of vetting them to make sure that there isn't anything in them where we think, ooh, because of liability issues, right, once we own them, um, then it is an APS piece. So we're going to obviously be working with our attorneys and other groups just to make sure that everything is okay around the guidelines. And as Vera said, they've they looked at all of the national standards and other things to create them, so we don't anticipate an issue with that. I think they're quite specific, so we wouldn't necessarily see them in a policy or PIP, but we would work with the school health team as well as our staff to say, these are what we are expecting in terms of, they'll still be called guidelines, right, because they don't live in a policy or PIP, but these are our expectations for moving forward with this particular area within our schools. Okay. There isn't really another name for it. Yeah, you know? I just want to make sure that this, I, I think there's a, a, an important concern, um, which is that parents, you know, first of all, children shouldn't have to advocate for themselves on this issue. We and, agree. and we Absolutely. also don't want, you know, the way it's been, um, um, communicated to me, you'll have teachers who then have to make a decision. Like they shouldn't have to Correct. listen to a parent and decide what to do. It, it should be something that's, that's right. understood um, that's when right. it comes. Uh, yeah, so we're working on the transitioning them from the SHAB advisory committee guidelines to APS guidelines, and that's the process that we're in now. The guidelines that are like? Yes. Okay. I just, I don't know a better word. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we've, the, right. yeah, we've, policy, we've communicated the issue, so. Here are the expectations. Okay, and obviously we'll see this sure. going forward. Yeah. Um, I just want to check as we go in case other board colleagues have questions, because, um, and I, I, yeah, I, I won't do this all evening, but um, <laughs> I just want to mention, I was very happy, I, I love the, the policy in PIP, and I, I thought it was like really fantastic. Um, 
I, um, I have heard concerns that the recess times are not as much as we'd like, and um, want to mention that, you know, I believe, I don't know where it is in um, Richmond, but I believe our state legislature passed a new bill saying that recesses can count as instructional time. It kind of gives us a little more flexibility to have a little more recess in elementary school. Um, you know, it's not only a SHAB issue, it's actually an instructional day issue, but I, I hope that's something that maybe you guys can um, do a little more work on. Is I know you had your moving forward um, out agenda, but that might be something to, to take another look at. I can say um, we are in the midst of trying to make a course correction with the language that was included in the PIP because I think there were a couple of minutes shaved off that we didn't intend to because we were looking at two different documents from two different dates. Um, but also there are questions about uh, travel time to recess and whether that counts as part of your recess time or not. Um, yeah. So, and we've heard examples of some schools perhaps shortening lunch a little to make recess longer and vice versa. So. We recognize that I think a little more guidance um, needs to be put into that policy and we would welcome the opportunity to make those changes this year. We, we would welcome, I think, seeing those. Um, but also, again, if as this topic of recess and the new whatever the state guidance, guidance is going to be, um, following up on that. Um, I, I'm just going to ask one more, so I'll just mention that you know we're big fans of mental health and social emotional and to the extent that that can be fit into your um, vast portfolio, we, we, we really... Um, would always appreciate more work in that area. But I want to actually ask you about your, your plans for the turf fields. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of research, there's a lot of pseudo-research. Um, so how, how are you seeing that, um, your work in that area? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a plan necessarily. I think we have some very active and um, involved parents in particular that care about this issue. So I think we just want to be a resource and we want to make sure that we're up to date as these decisions are made and if there's a need to advocate, we have parents that may. I don't know that SHAB as an organization would necessarily make this a program item or priority item, yeah. um, but it's just in our monitoring role, we think it's an area that we would like to monitor. Okay. And I do think the county also does does um, some thinking and work in that area, the mm -hmm. Parks and Rec or someone over there. So yeah, I'll make sure we're not recreating any um, Yeah, wheels. I don't want to recreate any wheels. I, I just want to mention that in our role as SHAB, we get a lot of requests from parents for information and advocacy. And so we just want to be responsive to what the current parent concerns are, um, even though it may not be our specific area of expertise. Um, and I wanted to make one mention that I didn't really highlight here before, but this concept of wellness councils, um, the state mandate for the new wellness policy includes the need for wellness councils at each school to help facilitate the assessment process and the sharing of information in their, around their school communities. So this is something that's going to be brand new to schools. Several schools um, have wellness committees as part of their PTAs, and some of them are more active than others. But this wellness council concept is basically taking your PTA wellness committee and adding your assistant principal, your PE teachers, your counselors, maybe someone from the cafeteria. Um, so merging staff in with the concerned parents to try and accomplish these responsibilities, which are not going to be that easy. Um, so we really want to encourage the board's participation and support as we try and recruit parents and staff to, to participate on those wellness councils, uh, particularly next year. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge, yes. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. Really excellent uh, presentation. 